Welcome to Mess Makes Meaning Podcast, diving into the messy yet meaningful aspects of family life. I'm Joy Studer. And I'm Raynell Taro. Today we are starting our first episode with the process of being present with the children in our lives during a time that is often focused on tangible presence. Heck yeah, friends, Christmas is coming. Woohoo! Today we have a very dear friend and mentor of mine, the Reverend Cynthia Williams Insco. Cynthia, we are so honored to have you here for our first episode of Mess Makes Meaning. I am so honored and happy to be here with you all. I love the Mess Makes Meaning theme because after all, Jesus was born into a mess. From the stable where he actually was born to the complicated family dynamics, the political tensions of the day, the environment was anything but sterile and Martha Stewart perfect. And this is really helpful for us to remember that God's gift of Emmanuel, God with us, arrived in this mess. And it continues to show up for us in our mess of our daily responsibilities and struggles and interactions, especially with the children in our lives. Life is messier than we make it out to be sometimes. Cynthia, you have truly lived into your calling to nurture the spiritual formation and care of others in so many different ways. So from ministry work to being a spiritual director, a godly play trainer, and to top it all off, a yoga instructor. Um, And we are very honored to have you here with us and your insights. So thank you so much. Thank you. So we're excited because we want to talk about this messy season. Um, And one of the things I was thinking about, because I was just doing this yesterday, I often walk the aisles of my beloved Target. And sometimes I do this and my kids are with me. Uh, I prefer to do it alone, but sometimes they're with me. So we get the, ooh, can I have that? I love this toy, mom. Can we please get this? And I always suggest all year long, in fact, that we take a picture and we add it to your Christmas wish list. Now, the genius in this is that I don't have to buy the item. No one has a fit in Target. And then more often than not, they completely forget about it. But my question, Cynthia, is am I setting my kids up for more of a materialistic mindset for the holiday season than I mean to? And what would be your thoughts on how to approach this? Yeah, um, I love your question, Joy. My husband and I have three grown children who are in their 20s. And and um, I could say from experience that these questions you're asking, like this one about your target excursion, it's really important because we are, when our kids are young, setting expectations and precedents for what they're going to do and expect when they grow into adulthood and have children of their own. Um, and now my kids are old enough to mirror back to us the things that we did that were helpful or not so helpful. I wanted to talk a minute about gift giving. Your question reminds me of that because gift giving and receiving can be a joyful practice. Being intentional, like your question, Joy, I think is the key. Not letting the things control who we are or our season of Advent and Christmas, but to really consider some of these following things about gift giving. I think it really all comes to communication, good communication with our kids and with the other adults helping us raise our kids. So I would suggest that beginning in November, which is now for our listeners, um, discuss with your family what you want 
to have as some guidelines to help each other remember what kinds of gifts that you want to give as a family. So for example, um, my husband and I would always do a gift of time with our kids each year, like a special trip together or um, an activity that involved just spending some fun time with our immediate family. So it could be a big family vacation, or it could have been a movie and dinner night out or something like that. Um, and oftentimes we would even do that like between Christmas and New Year's because that seemed to be more of a slow paid mm, time for our less family. Chaotic. We would tell them at Christmas and that that was coming, right? So we talk about this together, decide what we were going to do. And it wasn't always expensive. It wasn't a big European trip every year or anything. Um, so, you know, make it realistic. And then um, when the children were younger, too, they seemed to especially like one-on-one time with mom and dad because they didn't often get that, right? So sometimes our gift of time would just be making sure that we took time to take the oldest for a special Starbucks drink, just Mm one-on-one. Or um, maybe one of the kids wanted to learn a family recipe. So that would just be that child's time with me. So it really ended up being about quality time and having conversations around that. And those are the things our kids reflect back to us now as adults that meant the most to them. So um, a second idea too, when I think back on what we did for our kids is to set a little guideline and talk to the kids about guidelines for these kinds of gifts. So we used to do kind of a five gift for each kid. And you could do two gifts, three gifts, or whatever. But I'll tell you what our guidelines were. It was each child would get a gift to read, a gift to wear, a gift they wanted, a gift they needed, and then a gift of family time, which I've already mentioned. Mm. And that seems to kind of work for us. You know, Cynthia, it's so helpful just to hear this. And I think what really resonated with me was when you talked about our kids having their own kids. And I just thought about the importance of setting a mindset now that's going to be for generations to come. And that really moved me. And it's nice to see how easily we can begin to shift our priorities as a family just by having a conversation. And when you talk about quality time, I was thinking about, you know, this isn't just something that the kids need to do or that it's it's a it's it's a gift we're giving to them, but really the truth is we need just as much quality time with them as they do with us. So, you know, thank you. Those guidelines are really helpful. Yeah, I was hearing the same thing right now knowing that we, I, I as a parent am also feeling that same. My inner child is thinking, I want to do that. I want to make a recipe with my kid. I want to do it with my mom too, but <laughs> I really love that. And I really appreciate your insights on how to engage our children in these conversations about valuing time together over the material gifts. So without it feeling like they should feel guilty for wanting things because there's nothing wrong with that either. So Thank you. I really appreciate that. So also, as I'm getting ready and prepping for Christmas, um, and maybe you know and maybe you don't, but I'm kind of like Buddy the Elf and I get a little wild. Um, But I personally don't do well with clutter in my house. 
And sometimes prepping for the holidays makes an even bigger mess, right? So the decorating is super fun, but then I have my kids helping, which is great. And you can't see me, but I'm wincing a little at the idea. So I love involving my kids and making meaning together, but I also, I have to laugh when all the ornaments are on that lower half of the tree and I'm just sitting there itching to move them when no one's looking. Uh, Joe, I, I am very much the same, and maybe because I'm also a Virgo, I think like you. But it's because I have the, I have this idea of what I want Christmas to look and feel like, and I have this expectation that I want it to be magical. Yes. Yeah, you all talking reminds me of the story of when I was a young mom. There was a woman who was a mentor to me that I really looked up to a lot. Um, she was a little bit older. She had three teenagers, and then she had a fourth child that was like four years old, I think, at the time. Mm. And this woman, in my eyes, had it all together. Like she had the career, her husband had a successful career. Their kids were like, you know, Mr. and Miss Leader of Everything, involved <laughs> in everything. And it was just, they were just a success story, right? And I admired them so much. And on top of all of that, their home was like out of a page of Southern Living Magazine or something. And I remember her telling me this story. It's really stuck with me. So I share it with you all too. She said that, um, she had her house all perfectly decorated. And I'm telling y'all, it was magazine worthy, perfectly decorated. And she had this nativity scene on her coffee table. So it was within reach of the four-year-old, right? And she said that she would put the four-year-old to bed and then go and sit in the living room just for like a few moments of peace and quiet, right? And her hot, hot chocolate and enjoy the Christmas tree. And every night, darn it, if she didn't go in there and sit on her couch and that nativity scene would be all screwed up. Like the figures <laughs> where she wanted them were strewn. She had them all perfectly laid out, right? And they were they were just all squished in into the manger, clustered together in a way that she didn't like. So she would rearrange them, right? Because the four-year-old was in bed and the same thing would happen every day. She would rearrange them. And by nighttime, when she would go back in there, everybody was all crammed up into the stable, not in the way she wanted. And she said, finally, after doing this over and over again for several nights in a row, she thought, maybe. God's teaching me something through Maddie, the four-year-old, about this. Because I know she's the one that's cramming everybody into the manger. And she decided that she was going to let that go. Like it became a spiritual practice for her because she said it was a reminder of how the whole family, like her intention was for them to come together around the birth of the Christ child during that season. It wasn't about having every little piece of the nativity displayed in the right place. And so it was an opportunity for her to let go of that expectation and let the child, the youngest in the family, lead them to what what it really means to come close to Christ. So I love that story. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that, the let the child lead us, right? That's beautiful. 
And just thinking about that and how how can I let my children lead me in a way that I can enjoy fully this Christmas? That is going to be one of my very intentional goals. And I'm going to think about your friend. Uh, it makes me think yeah. what else that child might have played with. <laughs> it also makes me think about how much we take over. Mm. Like that we, we part of being present is seeing our child in their full self and everything that they bring and enjoying that. And sometimes when it's almost like I want it to be so perfect that I forget that the messiness is is me enjoying my child and me enjoying myself in that moment with my child. Mm. So it's it's that story is such a reminder that there's so much that can be missed when you're so caught up in what you think it should be instead of just being. Oh, absolutely. I love, it makes me think about making Christmas cookies with my kids, which I love doing. And I always remember this memory of my aunt when I was a little girl and I was sitting on her counter and we were actually making eggnog together. And I dropped an egg and I was sitting on the counter. So it fell all the way to the ground. It smashed right all over her kitchen. And I thought, oh my gosh, she's going to be so mad at me. And I was just horrified And she just laughed and she goes, that's okay. Cooking is messy. And she threw an egg on the ground next to mine and just laughed, right? Very casual. And so Aunt Ronnie, major shout out to her. Um, And I think about that all the time when I bake with my kids because they constantly make a huge mess, right? The flour goes everywhere. The eggs do get smashed. Um, And because my aunt handled it that way for me as a kid, I'm able to just be present with my kids and laugh about it. And cooking's messy. Life is messy. Um, Thank you, Cynthia, for helping us see that. So another thing I was thinking about in the Advent season is uh, lists. So bringing up my Virgo-esque-ness again, I guess. I love lists. Um, I love to write them. I love the feeling as I check things off my list throughout the day and the way I feel when it's all done. Uh, However, the amount of lists that are weighing on me during the Advent season, you know, 40 things to do with your children— make me feel like I'm drowning in this impossible expectation. Reynald, do you have those feelings of inadequacy as a parent when you see those lists and posts of all the holiday to-dos? Very much so. Especially, again, you know, I mean, first of all, stay away from Pinterest and all those other things. (laughs) When you see what everyone's doing, you know, and you're trying to attain the magical level of the holiday spirit— but also trying to balance that with, you know, just even today, like trying to make sure my kids understand the importance of looking outside of themselves. Mm. And especially during that this season, you know, caring for others who might, you know, be in need of extra support. Because so when I think about all of those things, you know, from the advent calendar to the help on the shelf <laughs> and everything in between, and, you know, I'm trying not to get anxiety now. It's, it can be a lot. You know, these things that you all bring up, they're really, again, great questions and realistic scenarios. Like you're just being authentic about how you feel about it. And um, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves for these specific four weeks of the year. When in reality, these are concepts and things that we're wanting to put into practice for the whole year, right? But we just put that pressure on ourselves for that intense amount of time. Um, 
But the funny thing to me is that aspect of the Christmas story about how there was no room in the inn and there was no room for Mary and Joseph to um, make themselves at home to have the baby. <laughs> and I think that that's also something we can keep in mind um, as we try to be intentional, even before December gets here, if we can, about making room in our calendars, um, in our choices that we make for the things that we want to be sure and do and focus on. And um, so that might mean sometimes crossing some things off the list mm. in advance and just knowing, letting go, letting go, right? So one of the things that I think is really helpful, especially since we have Thanksgiving in November, is to really start focusing on that gratitude. Renelle, you mentioned thinking outside of ourselves and helping others. But, you know, gratitude has been proven to be something that helps fight anxiety, a practice of gratitude. And so we can start um, addressing this anxiety we feel around December in November by practicing gratitude. Maybe even once a day, asking each person in the family to write something they're thankful for down on a slip of paper and putting it in a jar or a Mm -hmm. basket. And then on Thanksgiving Day, just have fun reading through those scripts of things that those little strips of paper, the things that people are grateful for. That's so sad. Yeah, it helps set the tone for what's going to come in December, right? And and I think, again, it's communicating with your partner or other adults that are helping to raise the kids in your family and just talking through some ideas about not just what we want to get or experiences we want to have, but what do we want to let go of? Because we can only hold on to so much um, at one time without breaking, right? So some things you might look at um, are what items can each person in our family give away to somebody before December even gets here, before Christmas gets here? Um, What's at least one thing that we can take off the calendar this Christmas (laughs) something we think we just have to do or it wouldn't be Christmas. Um, Maybe that, maybe not. Maybe we can take something off our calendar. Um, What's a nonprofit that we can give to as a family? My husband and I used to pick three nonprofits that we really liked. And we would sit down and talk to the kids about each of those nonprofits and what the purpose of them was. And then as a family, we would decide on one of those that we wanted to give to that year, kind of as a Christmas present from our family to that nonprofit. That's one of the things, by the way, my my older kids now have said they are so glad that we did, was set an example of giving that kind of a gift at Christmas. Um, that's powerful. So I really love that. Yeah. Yeah. Really that's a powerful that. lesson. Yeah. My own childhood, I have to say, we practiced having guests at Christmas, making literally making room in the end inviting it usually was an international person somebody that or newly single somebody that was alone on the holidays we would invite them into our family christmas wow and that made such a big impression on me to that hospitality piece so we might have to not do something else that day in order to welcome the visitor um, among us so yeah it just encouraged us to all be thinking in advance not just what we're going to get or add to, but what we're going to let go of. 
That is really powerful. I'm going to be processing that one for a bit there. (laughs) Cynthia, as a fellow parent, what would you like to leave our listeners with today? I think, like I said, adding and adding and adding just isn't realistic, and it builds us up for anxiety and stress. Um, And letting go is just an important part of life and of walking with Christ and learning what the most important things are and letting other things go that are not the most important. Um, I think that we tend to think at Christmas a lot about what we have and what we do Mm. and sometimes what other people think of us and how we're looking towards other, you know, at other people for Christmas and whether they think we have it all together or not. And it just reminds me that really we don't think as parents that those are the most important things we want to pass on to our kids. It's not really about what they have or what they do or what other people think of them. Most parents would agree, yeah, those aren't our values. But really what we value is the preciousness of each human being and that they are valued because each of us is a gift from God, Mm -hmm. right? So that's where the quality time and the giving to others and the making space to be with others, I think, um, adds to our holidays in a wonderful and meaningful way that's long-lasting. If we think about it as a big picture um, perspective like that, what do we want for our children? What do we value and how can we reinforce that during this time? I think this is what the message of the Christ child's birth is really all about and letting the child lead us, centering our attention on God coming to us in the mess. I'm a mess. You're a mess. We're all a mess. And God is with us in the mess. Thank God. I can't think of another Bible (laughs) story that teaches that better than the birth of Jesus. I wanted to also share a simple spiritual practice because I don't want us to stress out thinking we have to add 10 very spiritual things to our to-do list. Yeah, please, please share that. But there's one thing um, that I think is easy to do, and that is breath prayer. Mm. So... A breath prayer, when you think about it, you you inhale and exhale thousands of times every day without even thinking about it. And a breath prayer is just two phrases. It's a phrase that we can say in the time of an inhale and an exhale. So I'll give you an example. For this season, um, maybe a breath prayer that I say would be, help me make room for your gift of love. So on the inhale, I'm breathing in, help me make room. And on the exhale, for your gift of love. I can say that breath prayer when I'm in a long and frustrating line at a store. I can say that breath prayer if I'm on my daily run or doing my yoga workout or just need to pause and take a breath because I'm frustrated at my stressed child, you know, in that situation. Um, And you can make up whatever your own breath prayer is, but the idea that it's short, that it's accessible, that it takes you back to that intention of what you need and want for that season of life, I think it's very doable for all of us. 
So I just wanted to encourage you all to think about a breath prayer and change it up when you're ready to change it. There's no magic to certain words for a breath prayer, but it does help us pause, recenter our focus on God's presence in that mess. Wow. Thank you, Cynthia. I'm breathing now. (laughs) Great. Wherever you're coming from, however you found us, we thank you for tuning in today to our Mess Makes Meaning podcast. A huge round of appreciation to our guests, Cynthia Insko, and for her insights on navigating this very special season. Sending love and light to all of you. Until next time. A blessing for the grown-ups. Today I pray that in this busy season, all of you amazing parents and caregivers are celebrating the beauty in imperfection and the lasting memories it creates, valuing presence, embracing messiness, and finding meaning in the chaos. May you inhale a sense of peace, and as you exhale, release anxiety and be reminded that each of you and your children are gifts from God. May you know how deeply loved you are, just as you are. Amen.